Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. Hey, my cough's getting better. Normally when I do that little vibrato, I start hacking up stuff. Not today. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is the show where we try to show you the good life. Give you little hints, a tip here, a tip there. Tools, ideas, solutions to uh, let you get the most out of life. And today... We are going to, uh, we got to cover a lot today. We've got to cover the Olympics, the Mike Pond Love Fest. I likey the Mikey. Um, We're also going to get into online influence, how you can sharpen your game online. So there's people out there, you know, businesses, social media, all this fun stuff going on. But we're going to be talking to an expert who can tell us how to be more influential using the web and the psychology behind the Internet. It might even help you be a better consumer, understand what other people are trying to do to you. Like, why do they keep sending me to their website? Questions like that. <laughs> but uh, before we get going into the online influence, um, we, we probably need to get right to the Olympic update. The Olympic update. I feel like I should have some theme music. We turn but, to Merritt, you know. who is um, – she has an Olympic-sized appetite for the Olympics. I do. They're the best ever. This They're is super interesting. This is almost like the Academy Awards for you. I know, which, you know what, they're coming up in just two weeks. Are so. they? See, this yeah. is like, it's lining up. This is, see, <laughs> to me, have all sorts of things when to the Super about. Bowl was over, uh, life seemed really boring. And you know what? Remember how much I knew about the Super Bowl? Yeah. Nothing. But see, so. that was kind of a really fun time for me. It was. And I now we're into the Olympics, and, and I'm not so time. much on it yet. I mean, mm. I love them. I just, I, I just haven't watched them You know, enough. the cool thing about the Olympics is it's not just sports. There's like this higher entity of... Human interest, yeah. the Olympic and, spirit, is yeah, what they the call Olympic it. spirit, the yeah. kind of international connection that you don't feel like. I really never pay attention to, you know, the world to skiers from the Netherlands. Why? I uh, it just doesn't oh, cross they're my hot. mind. Have you but not they're seen really them? cool people. They're wonderful. And looking. I, I, I was watching the women's that. ski jump. That was that was fun. Oh yeah, There's fun to really watch. Cool stuff. Yeah, they'd get off. It'd be like some French girl's name, and then she'd land, take off her helmet, and you're just like, "Whoa, whoa!" I had no idea. What? I'm going to watch so, this more often. You like you, Mikey? <laughs> oh I, wow, I like it. You, so are you going to start doing the long jump? I just have to say though, the women's British curling team. I'm a fan. They're, of, of what? They're attractive. Oh, really? Yeah. We consider the, the important things of sports. Yeah, they're also really good at curling. That's the anyway. Yeah, yeah, they are. They, they are. happen to be doing okay. Are they okay? Otherwise, you wouldn't see them. So, what's hey. the update? What's, so the update. What are we missing? What are what um, are we from from the U.S. side? This is kind of what's been happening. Um, last night in the giant slalom, Michaela Schifrin took fifth, Ooh. which is cool because she's eighteen, and this was Holy her Olympic cow. debut. So eighteen. Yeah. What were you crazy. doing at eighteen? I know. Like, you know, nothing. I was in truant. I know. Whenever I hear it's the the fifteen year old ice skaters always get to me. I know. I'm doing nothing with my life. I'm such a loser. (laughs) So that's cool. So she took fifth. She took fifth. Is there is there a fifth medal? No, there is not. Just a plane ticket. Here you go. Yeah. Um, Alex Diebold won bronze in snowboard cross, which was an absolutely crazy see, that event. That would be cool to see the men do it because do they like bump each other? And um, You know what? Snowboard cross is just crazy all around. You never know it's what's going to happen. People wipe out all the time. That was People the wipe sport. other people out. Yeah. 
it gets really crazy, but he managed to do it, and he was um, behind for most of the final round, and then there were some people who wiped out in front of him. That's and he all it takes. You need one person to fall. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy So stuff. he got a bronze? He got a bronze. Sweet. Yeah. And then um, the big one last night was David Wise. He got the gold medal in men's ski half pipe, which is a new event. Hmm. Um, you ski Olympics. the half pipe. You ski in the oh, half pipe. Oh, so it's like it's like boarding so it's like the half pipe. Half pipe, except on skis. skis. Yeah, it's absolutely cool. crazy. And the whole time they were doing it, it was mm. snowing like none other. Really? Yeah, you could hardly see what was going. Was on. the half pipe in better condition than when the snowboarders um, did it? Well, it's hard to say because it had rained all day, and then uh, that yeah. rain froze because it was snowing. So hmm. it was kind of. Really bad. I've never seen so many people fall in an Olympic event. I know. But then when they were doing well, they did really well. So I don't really know what that means. I don't know enough ski about the snow That's cool. to say. See, I like the skis because then when they cross the skis, they can make like a helicopter. Yeah. Well, and they do some really cool looking things. Yeah. I don't know what they're flips. Yeah. See. Double twists. I've done some of those moves. Nick Yolo jump. N- I don't know. Ooh. Whoa. I've done some <laughs> of those moves. But none of them were intentional. Ah, yeah, I was okay. going to say, yeah, right. I have. <laughs> um, but we call that in my town when you crash so badly that you do a yard sell. They call it a yard sell, <laughs> which is when your skis go two different directions, your poles go two different directions, everything flies off of you, and you're just dead. Skiing, yard sell. Skiing is difficult, and I uh... – I took ski lessons for several years during high school, and I never enjoyed it. So I don't know what that says about me. Uh, wow. Yeah, I just like cold. Yeah. And wet. We'll see. There you have it. Which is two things that, yeah. Um, and weird things on your feet, and you hate to have your feet bound. Yeah, that too. To sure. sticks. I know. We had a daughter. Uh, it sounds like we lost her. We actually, <laughs> she broke her foot skiing. Ooh. Ouch. Yeah, and we didn't believe her. <laughs> Oh, so come on. we had just started and Stop messing she around. fell and we're like, come on, you walk wuss. it off. So we just, being a baby. we just sat her down with some people from another country and then we went back and hit the slopes and at the end of the day, took her home. She still had a hard time walking. It's like her foot yeah. wanted to go right, but she wanted to go straight. Um. And uh, apparently then we took her in that night and she had broken her leg. Well, that's a parenting win. So that's why we quit skiing as a family. As a family. Because okay. she ruined it. Ah, she, okay. <laughs> she ruined it. So uh, this is fun. So the Olympics tonight's a big day. Um, yeah, tonight for primetime America. I, this right. has all happened. This is already Russia, done. You know, yeah, they're already things. having a hot talk. Um, yeah, but tonight we have the giant slalom for men. We also have the women's um, first dance for ice skating. So Let's see. Yeah, exciting stuff. We'll Let's see Gracie Gold in action. It's be a huge game. Finland versus Sweden. Oh, there you have they it. They just eliminated Russia. See, the three Finns to one beat the Russians. That was a huge game. Yeah, huge because it proves that the Russians not only lost to the Americans fairly, but now to the Finns. So this is the the semifinals. You're going to have Finland. Finland. I mean, this is huge for Finland because Finland was under Russian rule since 1809 See, until 1917. That. Yeah, it's Finland sticking it to the man. And now Finland is up against Sweden, who they were under rule from 1200 yeah. A.D. to, to 1809. Finland so better not mess this up. All is right with the world. Finland is getting back. Who is the United States against? We're going to go against Canada. I mean, here oh, is all the best hockey Canada. players in the world. 
And this is so sad because I felt like the Russian team had probably the four best forwards in the yeah. entire NHL. I you know. got uh, Dotskuts and, and Pavlek hmm. and Ovechkin huh? and, uh, you, you know, the Who? three best forwards in the NHL. Oh, they're but, hockey players. Yeah, they're ho- these okay. are, this is men's hockey. <laughs> We're talking hockey. Yeah. And I so, thought you were, like, speaking Finnish. No. You want me to speak Finnish? Yeah, let's hear a little bit of that. Epiarias de la Matamuda Lansa Kankohan. Well, anyway. Yes. So, the Finland goalie. Um, what's his name? I can't remember. Uh, uh, it's John. No, it's not. It's like Nico or something <laughs> okay. like that. Well, anyway, he did a great job. Russia had like 20 shots on goal ah. and he blocked every single one. So huge you, games tonight. You like Finland. Well, I like, I like hockey. So are you going to go with America when, when the United States is fighting against Finland for the gold? So right now it's like Canada, USA. Yeah. Finland, Sweden. I like all those teams all except for Sweden. Well, except Swedes. So wow. I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard. Just so everybody knows, Mike lived in Finland for two years. Yeah, it was a great experience. Learned the language. They have a great culture, great people. Love fish. You know, I love America, though. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, that's it's a great why, place. That's why you're here. I'll just say this, though, that the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, everything is good on this planet because Bob Costas is back. He's back. So it's true. Great. Can yeah. just, like, I He's give an Olympic Bob, tradition. You know, when a guy does something for 26 years, you just start to take him for granted, I think. That's so true. And that's what happened with Bob Costas. We all just assumed that he would be there. Well, and that his eyes And then he work. wasn't. Right. And it was really sad, and yeah. I didn't like the other people as much, yeah. but he's back now. Yeah, so I just I, wanted to pause the Olympics. Like, just stop. <laughs> like, stop. like, wait, <laughs> we can't it's, go on. It's like he's his Bob. own event. Don't you think, though, he also taught us a lot about conjunctivitis? He did. It's been all over the news. <laughs> yeah. You know, I saw today articles no on how that. to stop pink eye yeah. on, you don't, know, keep, don't, don't rub keep your eyes sweating. and don't you rub know? other people's eyes if yeah. you've rubbed your eyes. So thank you. We now have some pink eye awareness going on. Because it is the silent killer. <laughs> it's silent. Actually, it wasn't so silent. It took out Bob Costas. It took out Bob very Costas. Public. A very public deal. So um, you guys, uh, technology is the topic today. Yes, it is. And it seems like we have used technology recently on this show in a way that has kind of blown us all away. Our influence, we did not even know we had no how much idea. we had. Well, we didn't know. If, and I don't know if it's that we have influence or if there's a lot just, of desperate people. Let's hope it's the other one. Yeah, let's hope it's the influence. Ah, I like to be trust in people. I am thinking that, that there's just a lot of desperate people. But then you're labeling them as desperate. Well,. Here's what we did. Uh, a week or two ago, we put together um, just this fun idea that our producer, Mike Pond here, the Finnish um, javelin thrower, um, he, he, you know, wanted some dates. He's not dating quite enough, he thought. So we said, let's just throw that out on Facebook technology, right? Just threw it out there. Who wants to date Mike? And I think we got 10,000 hits. I don't know how many we got. What did we get? It was 35,000 hits and about 200 signups. It was shared. 200 yeah. signups shared with 10 billion people, including China and uh, where else? Nairobi. Yeah. Um, 200 people, though, likey the Mikey and want dates. So Mike has had to sift through all of the likey the Mikeys and. By the way, let's just talk age range for a minute here, because apparently our influence is huge. We've got um, what's the oldest person that likey the Mikey? The the oldest person that filled out the survey was sixty seven years old. Wow, 
Has she got a shot? What's the next you, question? Hold on. You're 23. <laughs> she's 67. I don't know if that's going to work out, Matt. No, you'd kill her. I'm too immature. Yeah, totally. But maybe she'd be a good guardian. Probably. She'd probably, probably keep you from getting hurt. Keep me from getting pink eye. Yeah. Pink, keep you from throwing the javelin at somebody accidentally. Um, 67 years old. But you've also there's, – there's a lot of mothers that have jumped in, like desperately trying to get their children – married i don't know if it's desperate is I mean, the right word no, but excitedly. they're helpfully encouraging uh-huh. you know trying to help out and um you've called a couple of them i have well let's uh let's take a listen in here hello hi is this uh janae oh no she's not in can i take a message this is mike pond with the matt townsend show uh-huh. Uh, she, she'd she been entered in to say that she was oh, interested right. in going on a date with me. <laughs> I'm actually the one that filled it out for her, so, <laughs> yeah, and her sister. Okay, <laughs> she's, so, um, She's getting a twofer. Yes. Uh-huh. Can you tell me a little bit about her? She's just uh, very busy doing her work and getting ready for school. And she, Are you going to ask her, how, how's this going to work out? How should we do this? Well, um, I mean, she kind of knows about you anyway cause she, because of Facebook and my daughter. So uh, I can give you her number and tell you that you're going to call uh, if you want to do it that way. That would be great. Could you do that? Yeah. Okay, great. Is there any <laughs> okay. uh, advice or, or messages that you'd like to give to, to other viewers or, or to Janae? Uh, well, I just say, you know, go for your dreams and fight for what you want. And you just sometimes you have to stick your neck out a little bit and just kind of venture out and and just do things that are a little different you know (laughs) yeah so that's okay to do (laughs) all right thank you so much i appreciate it and uh i'll be calling her soon all right well good luck with everything you too have a great day bye wow so that's the mom of of a young lady janae that you're interested in courting correct yes and um you know what i loved about the mom is when you asked her any advice or yeah. she turned into like a NASCAR driver and she immediately started giving us every cliche. It was beautiful. It's great advice though. Go That's for your dreams. Old, very wise words. Yeah, go for yeah. your dreams. Stick your neck out. And just and get what you want. Get what you want. I mean, it seems like very aggressive. Well, it's a, you know, if you, what was it? Robert Kipling who said, uh, if Rudyard? you want something, Robert or whatever. Rudyard. Rudyard. Yeah, that's why I can't say it. Robert was his brother that no one knew about. Rudyard was. You know, if you if you want something like enough, you'll get it. Yeah, I think he said it differently. (laughs) That was very (laughs) profound, (laughs) more eloquently. You know, but but, you know, you nailed it. Uh, So you're going to now call Janae eventually, right? And uh, and and about another, uh, we've got 180 more women you need to call now that you've sorted out kind of the seniors, right? I'm I'm sorry, I'm still laughing at the the Rudyard. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So um, you're going to go call the rest of the yes, yes. Uh, You have 180 ish. Yeah, somewhere around there. Viable candidates. All likey the Mikey. Hmm. And then your plan, how do you narrow them down? You're just going to kind of go by gut, feel. I mean, you didn't know the influence would be this huge. No, I had no idea. This is kind of a little bit overwhelming. But hopefully, 
one of them uh, will want to go on a second date with me. We'll see. Well, you know what? Sure. And uh, let's be real, too. We just found out from our IT people here at Brigham Young University at BYU, what do we call it, broadcasting, that a lot of people are searching your name on our website. It's true. It's getting us some hits. Yeah. yeah. Mike Pond. See? Influence, man. Technology. You're it brings using. us together in ways that we couldn't have thought possible even 15 years ago. No. We never could have gotten you 180 dates in one day. And on that website is a blog post of all the important facts you should know about Mike. That's so, it. So where do so they go? So it's a good thing they're looking at it. Yeah. Cause, so you just go look up. You go can to, go to our show on BYURadio.org. BYURadio.org. Blog post. Blog post. All about Mike. Forward slash back hash hashtag all about Mike. Slash forward slash. Dot gov. Dot gov. Um, okay, Mike, we wish you the best. Thank and you. keep it fair, right? And keep listening to the Matt Townsend Show. I appreciate that. And um, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we are going to be talking today, the entire day, about online influence. You know, we've got websites, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, all of these sources. What are they all for? How do you increase your influence We'll be talking to a national, international expert on that when we get back. But first, let's take this break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today, in effort to help you find the good life, we're talking about your online influence. You know, we just, we've just we proven it. If you just put something on Facebook, you can get somebody that desperately needs dates, 180 dates, 220 dates. They don't even know anything about it. And they know nothing about the Except guy. that he, what he looks like. But sometime on the show, today, tomorrow, sometime soon, we're going to let you in on the little secret as to why he can't get dates. <laughs> um but we're going to let him do that just so we don't poison the pond. Uh, now, our own Jessica's here. Uh, Jess um, is trying to help us. As we talk about influence online, there's a bunch of levels, right? So I'm a business guy. I want my influence to be good. I want a, a nice website. I want to have SEO optimization, mm-hmm. search engine optimization, all that fun stuff. Those are all terms people just throw out. But we'll get into those, <laughs> I think, later today. But you want to talk about... Me personally, yes. human beings and how we all choose to go interact with each other yeah. online. It, and it seems to happen to everyone that you get online and you have a new world to yeah. play in. Oh, yeah. You can be anyone you want to be. Yeah. You can be a six foot five javelin happens. thrower. Right. So I looked into why we act differently online. Um, John Soler is a psychology of cyberspace. He's done a bunch of different stuff on it. So there's 10 top reasons. Okay. Um, I'm just going to. Psychology of cyberspace. Right. So the first one is you don't. You don't know me. If you don't want anyone to know about you, yeah. you don't have to. Yeah. And that makes people feel less vulnerable. They can open up ab- more, about oh. the things that they want to oh. because you're introducing yourself. And yeah. They really, there's no way to follow up, really. You're, you're free as a bird. Yeah. And then you also don't have to, personally, you don't really have a lot of self-evaluation on it. You can put it out there and right. walk away. Well, it's yeah. Like, who's critiquing you? Right. <laughs> like if your friend was sitting there, be like, oh, geez, that's not real. Yeah, and and then 
like you walk away and if people keep arguing online, whatever. Whatever. You so. just turn it off. All right. The next one is you can't see me, so you can't pick up on social cues that yeah, people throw out. Yeah, you're not out. getting all the roll eyes rolling and the right. Phew, whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see. So you can also – this happens to Mike apparently. Um, you can say that it's the see you later. You can yeah. respond hours later yeah. and really no one really <laughs> – well, no one makes do? a difference. Yeah. But you can think about it a lot more. And get than it face all ready face. and then type it up, work it seven times before you send yeah. the message. Yeah, which, I mean, that's huge when you're dealing with people. See, but if we could just have a pause button. If we had a pause hours. button and we could just hit pause. <laughs> right, you can't do that here. We, we could do that all the time. But yeah. We, that's not real. Yeah, and we do online. Yeah. So that's cool. So it's all in your head. Reading another person's message might be experienced as a voice within one's head. Yes. So um, you read it in your own voice. So naturally, you're, yeah. you you might be like, oh, I like this. I like this more yeah. because it's really well, Yeah, in your you own read voice. into it like this <laughs> person likes me. Right. But she's really trying to get it out of there and get away from you. Right. But you're like, oh, she must think I'm hot because she says for sure she would definitely sometime somewhere in the future in the next six years – think about going on a date with me. It was her voice tone that yeah. she used in your wow, head. Wow, she likes me. Yeah. <laughs> and you also can create different characters. You create oh, yeah. this person in your head, what they look like, what they sound oh, like, yeah. and it's yeah. all in your head, really. Well, we're all editing. Go look at your Facebook page. You don't put your worst pictures on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. You, I don't even put real pictures of me. I just, I just copy, cut my head off <laughs> and hook it on some stud's in body. In front of thousands of people mm-hmm. so people think yeah. you're a big deal. Like huge. Like yeah. little do they know. I don't know for I don't know anybody. Yeah, I bought everyone's on Facebook. Every name on Facebook, I bought it. You're paying me to be on your show. Oh, what is that about? <laughs> this is true. This is good psychology. Yeah, and then um, another one is that it's just a game. Um, you, it's kind of the world. It's not real. Yeah, you. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a different world. That you can play in, but yeah. you can walk away from. So so true. And it's so fun when you think about like what the internet is because it's it is fun. You it, can go create your own world. It didn't exist. I used to, as a kid, go put flyers on people's cars <laughs> and doors. Aww. That was that is no longer needed. Really, Mm-mm, no. It's, you have a whole world to play in. That now people everyone are can just on build a Facebook page. Exactly. Yep. And then another one is that we're equals. There's no really authority yeah. in there. Everybody's on the same playing field. Uh, in a business sense, it's not quite like that. But when you're just dealing with people, yeah. um, everyone has equal opportunity. And it, if you think about it in personal relations, if you were talking to someone in authority, you'd have to watch yourself. But right. online, you don't because everybody is equals and See, creativity. Well, and part of there's different rules. Like don't if you're if you want me to be on your Facebook page or if you want me to follow your blog, don't try to sell me. If you sell me every day, if you're always constantly sending me messages trying to market me, I'm not going to – I'm not there to be marketed by you. Yeah. I'm there to have you exchange your valuable information with me. And right. if, if you keep exchanging good information, you've got me. I'll stay. If you don't, you're just trying to here to sell me. Yeah. So all these old schoolers that want to just keep selling and, and pitching and pitching and pitching, they don't have power anymore. So these mm-hmm. big entities that are used to just having whatever they want – they they may not be as powerful online yeah. as just somebody that's got a really cool voice. That's yeah. Well, and the dweeby kid who yeah. 
is, you know, getting to decide. Totally. Oh, do I like your advertisement? No, big macho man. Yeah. I don't like it. I'm, you know, so. Take that. We'll see. So everybody's we, getting a voice. We used to just have to go to Sony Records to get music that we wanted. I'm sitting there on my Facebook page, saw a, um, you know, the song from Frozen, Let It Go? Yes. Did you see the version of it with Alex Boyer? Yes, the, I it's loved called the, it. Go look it up on YouTube. The Africanized it's viral. version. Millions and millions. Fifteen million people right. have seen that in I think three days now. Oh my gosh, it's so, so good. Fifteen million people. This guy and he did it with a wonderful youth choir. Eleven-year-old girl and an eleven-year-old girl who's Sounds got like Carrie pipes. Underwood. <laughs> yeah. So uh, ironically, they've got more pull in a way than Sony. Yeah. Because Sony would have to pay a fortune to go get that exact same poll, and they did it like that. Yep. Power. People. Of People decide what's online. cool. Just good job. Thanks. See how you are? That was easy. Yeah. Now, That's a good stuff. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue talking online uh, influence. How do you improve your influence? How do you use technology? What really is influential? Uh, in the web and it's not you know it used to be just get a website if you have a website that's all you'll ever need on earth well times they are a change in folks so we're going to give you an update uh, some tools some skills what really is important online we'll take a break this is the matt townsend show you're listening to us right here on sirius xm 143 byu radio Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. And today, have we got a topic for you. Today, we're talking about online influence. You know, this whole technology boon is a it's a huge deal. And a lot of us are, it feels like we're just, we're doing everything we can to stay above, you know, the tide. We're trying to just stay afloat. But many times we get carried away. Sometimes we get so focused on having the technology that we don't understand necessarily the power behind it. And we don't understand some of the new rules, some of the new psychology that's going on. It's not the same kind of marketplace that you may have had 20 years ago, 30 years ago. The Internet uh, has a different way of doing things. And so we wanted to go and bring on an expert who could help us uh, to talk about this. So who we went after? Obviously, the web psychologist, Natalie um, Nahai, is joining us. She's an award-winning speaker. She is the web psychologist and author of the book, Webs of Influence, The Psychology of Online Persuasion. She has a background in psychology and digital strategy, and she's a lecturer internationally and also is a um, a, a pretty big blogger on psychology today which is where uh, we found her. She's one of the resident bloggers there. You can find her tweets at WebPsych. And if you want more information about her work and her, her workshops, her book, everything she does, go to websofinfluence.com. Natalie, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. You bet. So good to have you. Now, this, okay, I'm, I'm 44 years old, which I uh-huh. have forever thought was young. Uh, until I got this cold, now I feel really old for some reason. But um, old, forty-four is young. I know it is young, but and I thought I was ahead of this thing. 
but the the webs i mean the internet uh it used to be 10 years ago all you needed everyone would say you just need a website everyone you just mm-hmm. need a website then everyone would get a website and then everyone realized that no one was going to their website <laughs> and then um now it's like you don't know now it used to be then you needed a blog and then mm-hmm. you needed now you've got all these social media sites facebook instagram all of these other places does this is is this working? Is it and it's not going away, right? Let's get real there. Mm. It's here to well, stay. It's like drinking from a hose. You sort of, you know, initially it seemed fairly manageable. So yeah. you, like you've just stated very articulately, you know, you have the website first and then the blog, and then suddenly there's sort of this sprouting of all these different kinds of uh, platforms that we're all supposed to be targeting and then you know making our presence known on. I think ultimately. That the main question, which is sort of helpful for life but helpful for, for, for online behaviors and goals, is basically what is it that you're trying to achieve yep. and who are you trying to, to reach? And if you can set, a, set up those two main goals, so who do I want to reach and, and what am I trying to do with them, then that will help dictate what kind of action you need to take online so that you're not trying to, you know, do too many things at once. It's the old out. begin with the end in mind, isn't it? Like, what, what's yeah. your plan? What What are you trying to do? So instead of just having a website because everyone tells you to have one, it might be better to know who are we after and what are we going to try to do with the website. Exactly. And I think, you know, that's, that's obviously very important for a website because that is your, that's your shop front online. Right. But I think also for things like creating a sense of personality or rapport with your customers or your followers or, um, you know, your, your, your sense of presence, your tone, your personality as a brand, all of these things we've come to expect from businesses when they're online. So we expect to have some kind of emotional engagement with, with the businesses and the brands that we engage with. And for that to be effective, if you are a brand or a business or a thought leader or an author or a, you know, a radio host, yeah. you have to be very cognizant of uh, what it is that you, that you want to be perceived or how you want to be perceived rather online um, and then which channels are the best ones for you to, to play in, really. And then, then you choose the channel. And I guess that's what's so great about uh, the power of all of this technology is you really can – kind of probably fine-tune and and dig into a certain area or a certain type of group. Like, I'm assuming there's a, there's a different kind of or a type of person that would go to Pinterest mm-hmm. versus one that might go to LinkedIn. Yes. So if you're looking at something, that's a really nice example because it's very clean-cut in many respects. So if you're looking at Pinterest, it's tending to be something which is obviously very visual because it's populated by photos and images. Um, so the kinds of people who are going to be on Pinterest will be using it because they're highly visual. Most of us are obviously very visual. Right. They tend to digest information in that way, and it tends to be for things like creating mood boards. So, for instance, I'm getting married in May. I went onto Pinterest. I've created a private mood board so I can start keeping track of things I like. Um, so the goals on that and the behaviors on that platform are quite specific yes. to that platform. On LinkedIn, as we all know, it's a lot more business-related. But again, it's, it's very, very social. I'd say it's probably more social than Pinterest in many respects. Yeah. It's a, a network community. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. What, what, like, so what do you see are some of the problems that people typically have when it comes to online marketing, when it comes to, you know, trying to create, you know, a, an influence? It's not enough to just have an old-fashioned sales mentality and then just go put it online, is it? I mean, it's it's a different game. 
It is a different game. And I caught the end of your last um, very interesting interview with, with the lady that you had on, and you're saying that it's not okay anymore, it's not acceptable anymore to just kind of do that blasting, you know, blasting yeah. people with your message. And you're absolutely right. I think what's, what's interesting is I take it even a step further and say if you look at a platform like Twitter or Facebook – where you have brands who are kind of creating this, this emotional engagement with people on a personal basis, I suppose, really, right. where you've got a face of the person representing the company, it's not even okay to sort of send marketing messages more than, I think the golden rule at the moment is around one in 10 posts. Yeah, yeah I believe Which is that. really quite extraordinary when you think about it. Right. Mm. But when you, when you look at the numbers, I can even see it on my own Facebook page. When I put out a really good message with a great quote from... Mother Teresa, I can get, you know, 1,500 people that like it. When I put out a message about an upcoming event or date night, you get 500 people or 300 people that like it. I mean, it's you can almost taste that they they're not liking that. You can almost feel the recoil. Yeah, and I think that's because. What, what's interesting online is that you're kind of engaging people at different levels. It's kind of your, in that way, it's sort of similar to the classic, you know, sales funnels where you have people who generally are fairly interested in what you do and then some people who will be much more likely to buy or to buy into what it is that, that you're selling. And I think for that to, to be effective, to have the, the longest-term relationships with your customers, which is hopefully what we're all going for, we need to have all of that value around the brand, around what you do. Right. to get them interested, to keep them happy, to, to give them stuff that they love that, that's going to create that positive relationship so that eventually those people will have a better experience with you than they would have done if you hadn't been doing it. Interesting. And for those sort of, I don't know, 90% that aren't ever going to buy from you, well, you're still creating a positivity around your brand and you're enriching the lives of others, which is quite a nice sort of way to look at it, really. It really is. So it's kind of more relationship uh, marketing mm-hmm. where you're you're trying to keep the relationship together Keep offering value. That's one of the things I've noticed is people demand value. It's it's kind of an exchange. Yeah. They'll let you send them stuff to them, like you know mailers or whatever, but or emails or blog posts, and they'll come to your site. But you better make it worth my while. Absolutely, and you know it is right. It is about value, and I think it's interesting because it seems to reflect a much wider trend around younger generations coming up now and wanting meaning in things like you know their jobs their careers and i think we're starting to see quite i think quite a monumental shift in the way that we approach life in general Mm. so for instance if you look at the kinds of work we go into now when you're polling young people say between the ages of about 16 and 21 many of them will say that if they don't have access to social media or to you know that kind of platform at work then they wouldn't work for a company there's a cisco report i think that, that talked which is just incredible and also you know, the idea of flexible hours or the changing gender roles that we're getting in many Western cultures where both men and women have to take time off to look after their kids. And so they need flexible hours. So they're taking their work home with them. So it's kind of all these very interesting shifting ideas about what it means to be online. (laughs) Who's leading this? I mean, or is it still market-centric? Is it still brought on by the market? So if I'm going to market to the, the younger generation, kind of the the, um, what are we calling them, the millennial generation, if I'm going to market to them, I guess I have to go to the sites that would foster or the, and that, that, they're, that they're working in and, and being on and hanging out in. But I also have to make sure my messages fit that generation. And then I guess I could go to another area. Like I know my children are slowly, jump, uh, quickly actually, jumping off of Facebook 
because all of their parents are on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they, yeah, all, they can't get away from it fast <laughs> enough. It's like the plague. Yeah, yeah it's true. And, and what's really interesting about that is that Facebook, I mean, I have all sorts of issues with Facebook because there are several privacy concerns I have that, that I, you know, I, I find not acceptable yeah. the kind of platform. That, well, anyway, yes, I'm doing a post about it tomorrow, I think. Anyway, but, um, but yeah, so there's one of the issues with Facebook is that, that it does provide, despite all its privacy flaws, fantastic utility. But what's interesting is that when you look at all these young kids who are coming off Facebook, despite the fact that it's fantastic utility, and they're going back to sort of single stream channels like Pinterest, which is visual, like Twitter, which is mostly characters. I mean, yeah. you can embed videos and stuff. So there's less sort of um, multifunctional channels. There's got to be something interesting there to sort of ask the question, why are people leaving? And it's, I think it is about the fact that their parents and adults are sort of on their posting. <laughs> it's not cool kids, anymore. It's not cool anymore, but it's also something else. I don't know. I mean, I would like to think that they're starting to be more interested in smaller groups, like going back towards tribal culture where you have those who are kind of close, close natural bonds um, as well as your wider massive community. Yeah. No, I, that wouldn't, that's a great idea. I think it's more because they – what's the one? Snapchat. They like Snapchat because, what, you got 20 seconds before the – the chat deletes itself or whatever. Yeah. So there, maybe what it is too is the privacy. They like, they want, and I guess too they have the freedom to do it, right? So they, it's not like they're turning yeah. off their Facebook page. They just don't check it like they do probably some of these other sources. Yeah, that's it. I love the tribal idea that um, that they really want to connect. That would be powerful. It's just when you watch your kids doing this, you really question if they're connecting to anyone. Yeah, I mean, I think. It's one of these difficult ones because I'm not a parent myself, but I do have um, a, a godson, and, and I, he's he's two years old. And I do wonder with with technology whether it's kind of creating a whole generation of you know, dopamine hitting narcissists yeah. who just want a constant fix and who find it difficult to, to engage. But ultimately, if you if you look at the way in which people have always sought to connect with others, I mean, it's hardwired. We've evolved to be social creatures. That's the whole reason the human race has kind of survived as long as we have because we help each other out then whatever technology we have, we'll use to meet that end. So yeah. I think, you know, whether we're doing it, we, and we always get overexcited and go into these massive pendulum swings of going, oh, we have to get 10,000 followers on Twitter. Right. And, and eventually the pendulum writes itself. You know, we get overexcited at each, each new tech, but um, I'm it's, optimistic about it. I am too. It's very powerful. Yeah. We're talking with Natalie Nahai, who's award-winning, an award-winning speaker and, a, and the web psychologist is what they call her. She's the author of Webs of Influence, The Psychology of on- Online Persuasion, which you can go check out at her website, websofinfluence.com. We're going to take a break. We're coming back. We're going to keep talking about online influence. Natalie's going to teach us a little bit more about the psychology and the power of persuasion online. How do we influence other people when it comes to our online presence? This is the Matt Townsend Show, folks. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we're talking about online influence and uh, the, the power we have, you know, as, as a content provider, as just anybody on the influence uh, in the on the internet to go out and influence one another. 
But to do that, you have to, you might want to know what's going on in the psychology of this. There, There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes when it comes to the internet and the different platforms that are people are using and the different social media sites. And every one of those sites has kind of a different rule set and a different expectation. So we brought in an expert who's helping us with that. Natalie Nahai is her name. She's a, an award-winning speaker. She is the web psychologist and the author of the book, Webs of Influence, The Psychology of Online Persuasion. She also has a background in psychology and digital strategy, as well as a, lectures internationally on the subject of web psychology and online influence. She's been a writer for the national publications such as the BBC and The Guardian and is a resident blogger at Psychology Today. And we read a couple of her articles there, and we thought, we've got to have her on the show. So, Natalie, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you very much for having me. You bet. Now, um, persuasion. Help help us, because you wrote the book, Webs of Influence and the Psychology of Online Persuasion. How, first of all, I, I, I didn't even know half the time when I'm doing social media, I'm not even thinking persuasion. Mm. I'm, just, I'm just, sometimes I'm just being me. But sometimes being me isn't very persuasive. <laughs> well, how how are you uh, how are you figuring out if it's being persuasive or not? Well, if I have a lot of people drop off of my site, then I know I'm yeah. probably doing something wrong. <laughs> so yeah, that sounds like a good litmus test. It is. Yeah. It's a great. So so what what are people supposed to do to be more persuasive? I think one of the key things that um, is crucial to being successful and persuasive in social media is really to listen to and recognize patterns in your interactions with people who are following you or people who you want to reach out to and create a community with. So, um, for instance, if you know that your people are interested in, uh, let's say, I don't know, for instance, gamification or gaming platforms, and they use specific words to describe how they feel about those games, then you might want to pick up on it and mirror some of their language so that you can create a sense of comfort and trust and rapport with your users so that they feel that you are listening to them and that you're on the same wavelength. Oh, that's, um, it seems yeah. like a no-brainer, but, right? Yeah. But that's, that's, pro- that's critical, isn't it? Because now you're talking their talk and you seem approachable. You're, well, you're like them. It's, it's one of these really, a lot of these principles in psychology are simple but devastatingly effective. And, yeah. and we forget that actually we're not the center, even though we're the ones who are trying to create the following, we're not the ones who are at the center of that success. It's the people that we connect with. And I think if we're kind of humble about it and we put the people that we're trying to connect with first, then through listening and creating content that they're saying that they're interested in, everyone ends up winning. You learn more about your customers. They get something of value from you. And you end up having the most wonderful conversations with people that, um, that can lead to something good for, for everyone. Yeah, so it seems like mutually beneficial. That's communication 101, right? You got to first be influenced by these people in order to influence them. So really, when you talk about psychology of online persuasion, um, it's really just psychology of human effectiveness, really. And then you're just taking it online. Exactly. So, And and that's kind of the, the crucial thing is that, and it's what I found when I was writing my book, that all the principles that, you know, that we use, the biases that we have and the different persuasion techniques that work on us, they're as old as the hills. Um, yeah. It's just that when you're using a specific platform or, you know, the, on, you know, the web in general, so online platforms or specific platforms that perhaps are visual or that are more 
um, verbal or whatever it might be. You just have to tailor whatever it is that you're doing so that you still target and drill into and leverage those basic psychological principles. So it's about how you apply it, not you know, what principles yeah. you apply in, in many respects. I know in the book, one of the things you focused a lot on is is the brain and, and how we as people, we need to understand how the brain, you know, kind of works in order mm-hmm. to optimize our persuasion. What do you mean by that? How, how does the brain impact our online usage? So I think one of the biggest ways in which it impacts our online usage is, is in the way that we kind of misunderstand how we operate. So there's a huge um, kind of, I'd call it scientism in the, in the West where we, we herald science as being kind of, um, I don't know, the, the, the authority on everything. And right. so we expect everything to be quantifiable and measurable and rational and logical. And, and we've always lauded professions that fall under those categories of rational and logical. And so we consider ourselves to be rational and logical agents. Right. But actually, most of the decisions that we make, like possibly, I don't know, I'd say 99%, stem from emotional impulses. And in fact, there was a study that found that in patients who had damage to areas of the brain that were responsible for processing emotion, they couldn't even make a simple choice between, say, tea or coffee or a bagel and donut because emotion was so vital to taking action. And that really reveals the extent to which we're not that rational. That's so true. Respond emotionally. Because that's how you choose. Let's see. What do I feel like eating? Yeah. What do I feel like? Well, (laughs) You might need some carbs and some protein. There's the logical side. Uh, isn't that interesting? But so we're really not as rational and logical as we think. No, we are, but and, we pretend yeah. to be. And an interesting we thing about the internet is it's it kind of plays. It almost seems like because it's self-driven. I go to where I like to go, so I'm going to go where I feel good. My where I'm stimulated. I'm going to go where my emotional and irrational side may want to go. That's it. And I think what's also really interesting is that um, if you look at platforms that send you push notifications, so like when your phone pings, when you get a Twitter, like a tweet or a Facebook message or an email, all of those different notifications are designed to activate your dopamine system, which is dopamine is a neurochemical. It's a hormone in the brain, which is um, highly implicated in sort of the reward system, feeling good. So when you have a good run or when you make love or when you go dancing or you eat chocolate cake, any of those things tend to initiate the dopamine system. And what's interesting is that, generally speaking, we seek pleasure more than we feel rewarded when we finally get it. Mm. So the pleasure-seeking system is stronger than the sort of satiated system, which means that every time you get the push notification and we've been conditioned to... I don't know, maybe one in 10 tweets will be exciting. We've been conditioned to expect an irregular reward at random times. We'll be much more likely to kind of respond positively and to become addicted to that kind of interaction, which is why these things are so addictive. And why they all, every one of them wants to add, they always ask you if you can, if you want push notifications. Yeah, of course. And that's the default setting in most of them. I've turned all of my, I have too. But see, then you know what? You feel less important, Natalie, because then you're not constantly being interrupted. Well, well, less important. I don't know. I mean, I, I sort of spend, uh, I have windows of time over a cup of tea when I'm exasperated by my emails or I go online and I check my Twitter feed. But, but I think so also the interesting thing, um, and it's interesting that you do it too, is that some research found that it takes up to 22 minutes after an interruption, such as a push notification, to get back to the same level of focus that you had before. Ugh. 22 minutes. So you imagine that's four tweets a day. You've lost Ugh. an hour, nearly an hour and a half. And imagine that I'm your boss. 
Holy <laughs> cow. And it's awful, isn't it? we're losing time, we're losing money, we're losing focus, yeah. and we're actually yeah. becoming addicted, aren't we? So, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. If I want to, part of my persuasion power, it might be, mm-hmm. and this is probably good for everyone to know, they might be trying to addict us. Well, yes, I mean, precisely. I mean, the whole point of email existing is that you send more emails. The point of Twitter is that you send more tweets, or yeah. Facebook is that you send more you know, Facebook messages, and then they mine your data and put it up in places they really ought not to, ethically speaking. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, the whole point is that it's designed for us to use these platforms. Oh, that's tricky. That's the devil. Mm, it is tricky. Um, <laughs> it really, it's, it's funny, too, because um, when you think about it, we're just a bunch of, like, Pavlovian kind of dogs that have learned to salivate every time we get that little ping yeah. on our phone. Yeah. Um, but I guess part of this, too, is... We need to know we're being played. Yes, absolutely. And I think the important question here is, you know, am I using this as a tool? Who's, who's the one in control here? Am I the master or am I the slave? And I think a lot of the times we're slave to our devices. You know, it kind of, yes. we, we pick up, and I do this too, we pick up unthinkingly on, you know, the phone or the emails and we check. And then suddenly we realize that we're in this cycle where the last hour has gone by and we've not really accomplished anything. Yeah. Um, and so I think it requires conscious, effort and choice to say right i'm going to like this is what i do now i don't switch on my phone in the mornings it's on plane mode i come down i do 10 minutes of thinking with a pen and a pad and a cup of tea before i switch that's a great pattern just gives you some breathing time yeah just 10 minutes you know that's what's so weird about this because we used to be interrupted during dinner because they'd call us but now Mm. you could be in bed you could be in bed just you and your cute little honey and your phone's going off, and you're now interacting with a third vendor, a party. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's becoming intrusive. If, if I love it's the question, am I the master yeah. or the slave? Yeah. That's great. We're going to um, take a break. We're talking with Natalie Nahai um, from the website websofinfluence.com. Great stuff there. She does workshops, classes. She's got information about her events and podcasts, tons of resources on the site. We're trying to give you the tools to understand online influence, online persuasion, also to make sure uh, that you're the master of your fate. You're not just getting sucked in because they sent you a push notification. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. More on online influence. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side, doing what we can on this program to show you and give you a taste of the good life. You know, there's so many good things going on. We just uh, have to go figure out how to take advantage of them. One of the great things that uh, I think we're all blessed to have right now is technology. Seriously. Where would we be if at 3 in the morning... You didn't get a random push notification from, you know, some vendor you signed up for years ago. Three in the morning. Then you wake up and your mind starts wondering, hey, I ought to start working on this. That's like every day of my life. So we brought in a pro, the web psychologist, to help us through this. How do we manage our own online influence? What's some of the psychology that we need to understand just about ourselves, about human beings, and how technology influences us? Natalie Nahai is her name. She is 
also known as the web psychologist, and uh, has written the book, Webs of Influence, The Psychology of Online Persuasion. She has a background in psychology and digital strategy, goes around the world, and helps businesses to psychologically optimize for better engagement online. It's a big deal because, you know, um, we like to use some of the old rules. It's it's funny, even the business models we've all been trained in, kind of the carrot and the stick method of persuasion that many were trained in 30, 40 years ago, it doesn't work anymore. You can't just keep dropping emails to people and eventually they're just going to love you and buy your product. At some point, you've got to nurture a relationship. So uh, Natalie's teaching us it's it's probably a little bit more about relationship uh, maybe um, growing and, and influencing than it is sales online. She's also the resident blogger at Psychology Today. You'll find her tweets at WebPsych, and you can get more information about her program, her book, everything she does on her website, websofinfluence.com. Natalie, welcome back to the program. Thank you. You bet. Now, um, I love the psychology you're teaching us that, uh, you know, a lot of us get addicted. Our brains do every time we get a little ping on our device. Um, that's that's a huge deal. Talk about some other things that are happening online. Um, like teach us about decision making that that uh, for how we can maybe if, if I'm going to be marketing to people and mm. building a website, I know there's certain things that matter that they, they talk about above the fold. Right. And below the fold. And, and so how things fall on the website and the colors we use. What, what are some of the things just the average person putting together a website, trying to influence others, you know, to come look at their business? What are some things we should know? I think the first thing that you should know is that our attention is very limited, especially when it comes to uh, online environments. Because, you know, like you said, we've got push notifications going off, we've yeah. got emails, we've got very uh, diverse attention. So, um, so when people land on a website, you have to make it really obvious to them that they're on the right site, what the main point of the site is, so what the main goal is, and where they can find a call to action. So if I land on your website, which is byuradio.org, and I come onto the home page, I can see straight away um, an image at the top, which gives me an example of some of the stuff that you're talking about. And straight underneath with a beautiful big red button on the black background, it says on air. So I know exactly what show is oh, interesting, yeah. and where to press because it's high saturation. It's a viscerally arousing color. And so it means that I'm, I'm going to be more likely to take action on that particular button. So that's a great example of some persuasion techniques implemented really well. Another thing that's really in- interesting is that we tend to gravitate and seek out um, images of faces, so human faces, because we seek to connect. Yes. So if you're using uh, images on your site, use images of people who look like your target market. So again, getting that same principle of uh, likeness or similarity mm. at play. Um, these are just some of the things that you can do to, to make that limited attention really count. It's funny because uh, it used to be we, you know, we wanted to have the website be this brochure of everything we do, and but what you're you're kind of describing is um, if you can get them to actually click on your site, if you can get them that far, you really mm-hmm. don't want to leave them dancing very long before you kind of know where they need to go. You, yeah, you want exactly. a call to action where, hey, do this, click here for this, or because 
Otherwise, I mean, I think the average attention span is used to be 24 seconds, and I'm pretty sure oh, it's shrinking. It's down to about 203, I Don't think. You think. I mean, it's pitiful. But part of that is that's the byproduct, I guess, of the information age. We're training yeah. everybody to go for the push notification, which simultaneously is probably minimizing our, our ability to keep people very long fo- or yeah. focused for a long time. Yeah, I would certainly say that. And I think what's interesting with that is that when people land on your website for the first time, you need to be doing several things at once. So first of all, yes, getting, grabbing their attention and grabbing their attention in the right place so that then they know how to interact with the site and you give them something immediately to click on. If you are able to do that um, and then they interact with the site, numerous studies have found that people are more likely to convert as paying customers or to become um, you know, people who will buy your stuff if they interact and click on your site more. Mm. So you're seeking that same amount of familiarity and interaction that you'd get offline with a salesperson with a website. Um, right. So get, giving people something exciting to click on can be a great way of doing that initially. Well, and it's fascinating. if Just going to your website, thewebpsychologist.com, it's, it is so simple, it's crazy. It's, <laughs> you land on it, there's options on the top that you can go to about or the book or events or podcast, blog. But really, it's... Here it is. I can teach you the difference between persuasion and manipulation and how to implement these principles for greater online success today. Boom. Sign up for the course. Free course. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> you're not like trying to you're not trying to get me to read your blog or your podcast. And this is one of the things I've really struggled with on my own website is mm. um, I have too many things I offer that I just mm. gum it up with a bunch of mess. But yours <laughs> is so simple. And clean. So really, that takes a lot of work, isn't it? That's why you like oh. you started with the fact that you've got to know how you want to influence people. Oh. You're not here to just throw a bunch of stuff up, especially if none of it's going to be read. No, and Matt, you're so right. It is very painful getting it down to that oh. level of simplicity. Because the thing is, if you're, you know, I do, I, I've started doing video posts every week. I do, you know, podcasts. Yeah. I, you know, like yourself, I do blogs. And I think when you're creating all this exciting stuff that people engage with, you just want to put it all up there. But but the thing is, if you give people too much choice, you end up with what's called choice paralysis. And ultimately, you need to start somewhere to make you know, the relationship work. It's like me meeting you and then kind of trying to give you a hug and a handshake and telling you all about yeah. me at the same time. Better just start with a handshake, nice and friendly, nice warm handshake, eye contact, and then you start talking and then you start to learn about one another. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, when do I get the hug? <laughs> you can have the hug. We, we've been chatting okay, for long enough now. I think we're okay. fast friends. <laughs> I earned a hug. I mean, I, I, it really is. And it, that's funny because if anybody goes to a website, you you also know what it takes. Like some sites take six clicks to mm. get – I mean, you go to the big kind of box stores. Um, I, I don't want to name names. But the biggest yeah. you, know, you know, marketing companies that – I mean, if you if it takes six – steps to get to what you want to see. Yeah. Um, You're losing people. It's, it's fr- yeah, you are. It's just frustrating, especially when you think of every generation is going to be less able to get to that sixth step. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's We're, we're, we're going to lose people. So we want to keep it simple. We want to keep it on the page. And colors, I guess, too, you're saying. You know what else mm-hmm. I didn't say, but you've got a picture of you um, on, the, on the site. It's one of the, the most frustrating things is I've been trying to find a picture that I like. And my people, I know, know, and they're like, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you like it, Matt. Just get a picture up there. But the picture makes it human, doesn't it? 
It does. And I think it's that whole thing. Like, I was having a photo shoot done yesterday. I'm starting to write for Marketing Week, which is like a marketing publication in the UK. And one of the things that the photographer said was that we're all going around um, imagining ourselves to look a particular way, which is basically wrong, because we all look in the mirror, and that's yeah. the reverse of what everyone else sees. So the image that we see doesn't really exist yeah. except in the mirror. I thought it was so funny. It's brilliant. That's, probably, you know, that's what I always tell myself. I go, you look a lot better than you look. <laughs> that's what I tell myself. But my wife's like, no, not so much. Um, so uh, talk about for a bit um, the difference, because we've used two words here, and I've almost used them interchangeably, and I don't know if they are. Yeah. Is there a difference between influence and persuasion? I think influence is, is kind of what you naturally exert over others, so your ability to influence situations. I think persuasion tends to be something which is perhaps a bit more conscious. Mm. Um, I think what's interesting if I can, if I may, uh, is the difference between persuasion and manipulation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you've got influence, which is one thing, persuasion and then manipulation. And I recently interviewed, or it was actually it was a couple of months ago now, um, the head of the behavioral analysis unit at the FBI. His oh, name's Robin fascinating. Steve, an amazing guy. Yeah. Oh, you'd love him. He's fasc- fascinating and really friendly chap. And he was saying that the difference between persuasion and manipulation is intent. If I have the intention that we both should mutually benefit from an interaction, that's persuasion. I'm helping to persuade you to do something that you already want to do that's going to make you go with me instead of my competitor, but the outcome is positive for both of us. Manipulation is more like coercion. It's when I'm trying to get you to do something that is not really going to benefit you, that's only going to benefit me, and that's pulling your you know, a fast one, pulling the wool over your eyes. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was a really nice That's a way great to example. navigate those waters. Mm. And it seems it's, like... It's not a gray area. <laughs> no, it, re- it really... But see, you, it seems like, back to kind of my brain fight or flight thing, yeah. um, I, I can tell when someone's manipulating me. Yeah. It, it's, like the, it's like the used car salesman that's trying mm. to talk me into a car that I really don't want, but, mm. you know, but it's there. And you feel pressured and, and you feel like someone's yeah. kind of taken advantage. It's just not nice. Yeah, and that's... It's yeah. really subtle... But you can see it on websites. You know, you can see the sites that are really just trying to influence you by giving you information and keep yeah. the relationship alive. And then you can see those that are manipulating. So you're you're pretty much setting up that there's a happy medium where pers- yeah. where I, I can also persuade you, but it should be mutually beneficial. You should exactly. you should be benefiting. We benefit. When we benefit, we can give you more great content. When you benefit, you get more great content. Yeah, and I think that's the whole thing. I mean, we, we kind of, that's the whole way that society works, this whole idea of altruism. It benefits the person who's the giver and the person who's receiving the altruistic gift. And I think, you know, if we're moving this to online, the other thing that is less altruistic but also has a positive impact in the person doing the giving, if you're creating value, is that it helps establish you as an expert. You become the authority, which is another one of these fabulous persuasion principles. Right. People trust those in authority. And if you can show yourself to be one of these people by giving away content and knowing what it is that you're talking about, then that, that yeah. can benefit you in other ways that you might not expect. It's, it's so true. And I've seen just in my own life and with friends that we have – that are having a huge success on YouTube and internet success, that they literally, I know some people that have tried forever to get uh, contracts in music and nobody paid attention to them. They were classical musicians. Nobody ever paid attention to them until they started having YouTube um, success and started having three or four million views on every one of their videos. And then all of a sudden, sudden Sony shows up ready to give them a contract. Of course. But it's, it's interesting. They brought an audience. So 
the neat thing about this technology is you don't need – it used to be whoever could control the airwaves owned the world. But now it's – every one of us can go out and build a following on anything, on any, just on your hobby, on scrapbooking, yeah. on anything yeah. you love. And I think, I think the thing there is really that I've found that's really important because um, I have a slight distrust and dislike for authority um, <laughs> is that if you, if you are passionate about whatever it is that you're passionate about and you take to the airwaves or you take, you know, take to going online and you blog or you podcast or you video about it, then there are like minds out there who are online who will find you and who will become your tribe, who will become your community. And I think what I've found is that Moving away, one has to obviously be professional, but moving away from being kind of behind the glass walls of professionalism, if you show your personality and you interact with people in a way that's true for you, then you'll end up with those followings like your classical musicians. I totally agree. And um, that's the neat thing about this age is it is the power is kind of moving away from a few to many to influence and, and to, to, to have that power. Now, one of the things that, and we'll kind of wrap it up with this, some people are really worried about the addictive side of all of this. Mm. What, what, should, what should people be doing to be more in control of their own Internet use? I think if we're talking about not becoming addicted to, you know, certain platforms or you know, things like BuzzFeed, which I love, or Twitter or Facebook or emails, then it's really important to put caps on it. And I think one of the easiest ways to stop ourselves from spiraling into addictive behavior is to have rules. Um, so, for instance, the 10 minutes in the morning, or I'm not going to check my emails until 12 p.m. every day. Yeah. Um, and people that I've known who are good in, product, you know, in being productive, who are great in sort of the field of decision-making and attention, many of whom are either behavioral economists or psychologists, actually use these techniques. So things like turn your push notifications off, don't check your emails until you know, 10 or 11 o'clock, um, designate time in your day where you will spend one hour going through your emails in batch so you're yeah. not interrupted the rest of the day. All of these things can really help you become more in control so that you don't get sucked into that addictive pattern. Ah, love it. Um, wrap it up with this, Natalie, answer this question, however you want to, what's the, I always call this the one thing. So Uh there's a million things we've learned and they can go to your website again and, and check out the book. Um, her book, it really, it's the real deal. Webs of influence, the psychology of online persuasion, Mm -hmm. um, go to her website, the website, But what's the one thing that you found is the number one thing, kind of the most leveraged, you know, 80, 20 rule. Um, to have power and influence with people online. Be authentic. Be authentic. Yeah. Just be real. Be you. Yeah, just be yourself. Because <laughs> people read it, don't they? They see it. They see when you're not I mean, comfortable with yourself. Yeah, you might need to sort of, you know, buff up on a few edges that you might have, but generally just be yourself. That's great. Boy, that's just great yeah. advice all around. <laughs> Natalie, it was delightful. Oh, such a pleasure. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you Matt. so much. And uh, we're going to have to have you back because now I've got to, I'm going to go work on my website and then I'm going <laughs> to call you and then I'm going to we'll have do you a live audit. coach me. Exactly. Exactly. We'll do a live audit on air. You're the best, Natalie. Take care. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you. Wow. It's so cool to have people that are smart. You know what I mean, James? Just smart people. It's just fun to pick their brain. Oh, to have smart people around you. It's so great. I've got a smart team. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and continue the discussion about online influence. Mike Pond's going to teach us about technology addiction. I don't know why, but uh, he's apparently researched it in depth. 
And then Jennifer Armitstead, uh, the, the business coach and kind of job coach, career coach, is going to be joining us a little bit later. This is the Matt Townsend Show, folks. Thanks for being with us, helping you find the good life. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we are talking uh, online influence, technology. It's infiltrating. It's taking over the world. People are losing jobs because of robots. And some are losing themselves because of addictions. And so our own Michael Pond has been doing some research about Internet Addiction. What are you learning, Mike? There's a lot of interesting uh, studies and research out there about <clears throat> internet and technology addiction. Um, in the uh, DSM four, is mm-hmm. that what it is? That's the new one. Yeah. They just categor- They've put in things like internet gambling yeah. was the last entry, and in uh, Britain, they've been allowed to uh, diagnose people with an addiction to cell phone use, texting. Really? Uh, but we still don't have a lot of the, uh, you know, common symptoms like pornography addiction is yeah. still not in the DSM. Uh, that's the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of yeah. uh, Mental Disorders um, and other addictions because it's it's so new. Yeah. You know, just if you remember, you know, about 100 years ago, what doctors were saying about cigarettes. No, tell me about it. They would prescribe cigarettes. It oh, yeah. clears out your lungs. Smoke you got this. A, you got a cough. Yeah. You know, here, have have a pack of cigarettes. Now yeah. we know today how unhealthy that is and how bad that is, but uh, we're still uh, dealing with all these new advances. Even in the last two years, right. the way that we use social media has changed. And about every two years since 1993, when the internet was invented. Well, did you hear Natalie says, I mean, the reality is we're getting a dopamine high. So whatever the DSM-4 wants to call it, a lot of people keep going back to the phones and the internet and their their Facebook um, messages and all these things because they get a high, they get a little dopamine yeah. push, and it feels good. And it, I, th- I mean, all you got to do is sit with my family for one hour, and you'll know it's an addiction. Yeah, it's crazy. The research just simply hasn't caught up with uh, yeah. how fast we're moving with the technology. We don't know how harmful it really is and how addictive it is. Yeah, but we. You know, preliminary studies are showing you can get high off surfing the internet. You can get high off of using social media. Really? Yeah. A high. You yeah. get a buzz. You yeah. can. So when and and this was, you know, it's a little different now because Facebook is the predominantly most commonly used fa- uh, social media. But before that, it was MySpace. Mm-hmm. And when uh, you you on MySpace, you could see how many times your profile was viewed, how many comments you got, oh, stuff like yeah. that. And studies showed that the more likes, the more you know comments, the more yeah. views, the people would attribute their self-esteem to the how oh, yeah. much look they how were popular getting. I am. Yeah, I've got all these people that like me, except you don't know any of them. No, no, you don't. But it's it is. Um, I had a client in, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, she always wants me to cuddle at night and to just be there and cuddle." And I'm like, "Yeah, so let's let's do it." And he's like, I need my I need my decompression time. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I just need some computer time just for me. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, 
He's, he's trying to go get his high, yeah. his fix. And I'm thinking they're going to tell me that it's a pornography addiction. But it's not. I'm like, so is there is there an addiction? And she's like, oh, he's addicted. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, uh, what's he addicted to? Thinking in my head it's going to be pornography. And they both simultaneously say, cars. Every night he's got to go spend about an hour to two hours looking at cars. The novelty, he can just go have a new tab yeah. open, look at a different car. Yeah. And and then you're just getting a, a little, you know, high. A little oh, serotonin dopamine oh, release. Yeah. Every... You can watch the videos of each car. Yeah. Oh, look at the door shut. And it's you know it's different than it was. The internet is different than it was uh, 30 years ago for uh, people because it's instantaneous. That's right. We man. didn't have media no. or content at our fingertips. No. And literally, the the best parts of life and the worst parts of life are you know two one click away. One click away. It used to be the Britannica. The Encyclopedia Britannica. You'd have to find it. Then you'd have to look it up. Then when you found it, you'd probably find out, oh, it's not in this one. Got to go to the yeah, library. This Talk is, to the librarian. I mean, this one's 15 years old. Yeah, I remember. No. So you're, you're talking to the choir here. But it's addictive. Now, what the addiction, though, let's be real, it's probably – it's not what you're looking at. The addiction is what's happening in your brain. Exactly. It's the chemistry that's being created in your brain. And that's why a lot of people are in denial about yeah. this, just because it's not something that like alcoholism or right. uh, you know being addicted to cigarettes is seemingly harmless. But what's happening in your brain is that uh, your neural pathways are just getting you know the dopamine is flowing and it creates a highway for the dopamine yep. to flow easier. Yep. And so your brain will crave that more. Yeah. And, and so you want to go hey, back. Do that one thing. Do that one thing. In fact, I did uh, one of the great researchers in. Pornography um, addiction, uh, if whether DSM calls it that or not, um, basically says two of the biggest drivers for somebody to be addicted to to, um, to pornography are boredom and anxiety or and stress. So yeah. when your body is all of a sudden stressed and or you're bored at twelve thirty at night, your brain says it doesn't just say go look at pornography your brain says hey make that one chemistry that feels so good just do that because you're bored so then your brain makes the pathway goes right to the pathway to the fix the boredom pathway and all of a sudden you're in that vein of pornography that's your answer or some might be cars going to look at cars or some it might be facebook i know people that could spend all night long on facebook the average american spends four hours a day on the internet Holy cow. See, it used to be television. Yeah. Now, you know what? Because I still hear we spend like eight hours a day or something watching TV, six hours a day watching TV. Yeah. But it's because we're all, we're all with our Facebook. We're all on technology watching TV. We're messed up. Man, it is. It, yeah. And I, I mean, just like alcohol or hard drugs, you're trying to enhance your mood. Yeah. You're trying to not feel uncomfortable or you're trying not to be depressed. Your body is craving that that dopamine high. That's what's happening when, with these people. I mean, technology is great. Yeah. The internet is wonderful. No, wonderful. Uh, but we got to keep it in check and yeah. we have to recognize the signs if you're addicted. If you're doing things like surfing the internet while you're in the car yeah. or at uh, 70 at, miles an yeah, hour at work or, or you make calls and send emails and, and text messages while you're driving or other activities that you shouldn't normally be using that, yeah. I mean, you, you may be addicted. You're probably addicted. If you cannot not do it, 
if you end up getting in arguments because somebody turned off your internet. Well, there's a whole spectrum yeah. too, you know. Well, if, I mean, if your Wi-Fi goes down and you're willing to sell a child for it, you probably are addicted. You've got issues. Good work, Michael. If you can drop your name on one social media site and get 220 dates like Michael Pond, you're probably addicted. So is there any quick quick tips, I guess, if, if you've got, if you may think that you may be addicted to technology, what do you do? Stop. <laughs> get help. Recognize yeah. you're probably bored. Change your system. Change your pattern. Admit you have a problem. Go to AA or one form of, you know... I was S, searching you know, on the internet. There's all kinds of video game addiction, cell stuff. phone addictions, yeah. uh, computer addiction, all kinds of stuff. Get There's help. a lot of sport on the internet. But really, I think the big key is first just admit it. Admit you've got an issue. Recognize. Start cutting it back like Natalie was saying earlier. Cut it back. Start making rules Changes. for how we're going to use it. Good work, Michael. We're going to take a break. Thanks, man. Thank you. We're going to come back with uh, Jennifer Armitstead, the career coach, is going to be teaching us about uh, maybe how to use the internet effectively to find your job and keep your job. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. everybody to the matt townsend show hey we've been talking about improving your online influence and uh, one of the areas online where it seems like you can really take advantage and stand out and kind of show yourself off would be in the field of your own career and in your own area of specialty um you know stuff like that. So we thought, hey, let's bring on the let's bring on the the career coach, uh, Jennifer Armitstead's her name. She's coached thousands of people to take their career to the next level, and she's known for her unique ability to help people determine their personal brand and career direction. She consults with companies on employee engagement to recruit and retain the right employees. She's a blog contributor to Forbes, also a career thought leader on Twitter. You can check her out at at career coach Jen. And go to her website, movingforwardsolutions.com. Jennifer Armitstead, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hello, Matt. Thank you. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How's the day? Hey, you know, uh, in the immortal words of Homer Simpson, this Internet thing is here to stay. (laughs) I think it's going to stay. Do you think it's going to have, do you think it's going to stick? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Now, now, here's the deal, and I'm not going to name names, but I have a friend who was, a, was an HR guy, lost his job, within 10 days found a killer next job in HR, lost his job you know, five years later, and within 10 days found another killer job in HR. What is the deal? How come an HR guy can find a job that's killer in 10 days and the rest of us struggle our lifetime to find a job? I'm just throwing that out there. Well, it, I, well, definitely because he knows the game. He's in HR. He knows how to handle the whole job search and who to talk to and how to handle it. Schmoozer. 
Yeah, he's, much. he's a schmoozer. <laughs> well, it's, it's all about who you know, anyhow. I mean, that's it's about influence, and and answer. so part of the job of the online world is, and I know you're a master of this, so teach us how do we, you know, make sure that we are maximizing our influence online, especially when it comes to our career searches, our jobs, our brand, our mm-hmm. personal brand. Sure. Well, when. Um, when it comes to anything related to your career, I will say this a thousand times and a thousand times over. You need to know what your personal brand is. So it's really critical that you have clarity about what you want to be known for in your career and who you are. That's your, your brand. Because if you don't have clarity around that first, then don't get online. Right. you got to know what you're about. Profile. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I've seen people tweet stuff out that are totally like misaligned with who they are and what they're all about. And all it does is it causes confusion in the mind of the person who sees it. And that's not helpful. I I can remember um, a couple of years ago, I had an accountant who tweeted, I was following him on Twitter for the tax tips and different things. And he tweeted something about the color of nail polish that summer was light blue. And I thought, why is an accountant tweeting about the color of nail polish the summer, and I asked him about it, and he told me that he had his teenage daughter running a Twitter account. Oh, man. And it might have been a mistake that she did, but the whole point is is that you have to be consistent because you can really, you can hurt, um, you can hurt yourself and your reputation really quickly with online stuff. That's so true. And maybe the rule is you just don't let your teenager be in charge of your Twitter account. The greatest thing I ever did was put my wife in charge of my Facebook. He had almost 20,000 people following him on Twitter, too. Really? Yeah. No, that's it. And I mean, it's hard because um, that's why I guess you got to sit down, get a very clear view, who you are, what you're trying to do. I mean, it's a big deal. I've, I've had certain times where something has been released on my own Facebook page that I'm like, what? No, 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 no. But, um... It's also pretty powerful when you finally, when you know what you're trying to portray, and then you can get everyone around you knowing it, it's a pretty powerful thing. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, once you have clarity on really what you're trying to do, then it becomes really easy to know what you want to post. Yeah. And so, for example, LinkedIn is awesome for career management. LinkedIn is absolutely the king social site to be on. And so you have a whole huge area where you have um an opportunity to write whatever you want about yourself. It's the profile area. And uh, the opportunity to use really profound words and searchable words, it's right there. It's ready for you. But that's, you have 2,000 words that you get to write. On Twitter, you only get to post, you get 140 characters. And so um, so you have to keep things really short, impactful, and and to the point. Um, You can certainly shorten a link to an article that you like or whatnot. But Anyhow, the point I'm getting at is that when you have that clarity, it doesn't matter which tool that you're using, it helps you to know what it is, in fact, you want to write and what you want to put out there so that you're painting a very consistent picture of what people can expect from you. And LinkedIn's powerful, too, because then you're connected to people that know you professionally or maybe from school and, and, and sometimes even in your personal life, although I think more people use that for Facebook. Yeah. Um, but then on LinkedIn, if you're posting articles or video clips you come across or um, a suggestion on a book that you like, you have that opportunity to consistently be putting out a message that is 
in sync with what you want your brand to be. And yeah. it makes it a lot easier, actually. Does, um, I mean, you, you can't do harm by just having a, a LinkedIn page, right? I mean, there's no harm to getting one out there unless it's just not focused or, I mean, or does it matter that once you get it up, you have to keep feeding it like it's a monster? I mean, it seems like a lot of people get overwhelmed because when does this end? Yeah, right. I would say on LinkedIn, if you're posting something about once a week, you're okay. So I typically will tell people, find time in your week, in your in whatever your week looks like, to spend 15 or 30 minutes on LinkedIn. Plus, it's good to go in there anyhow because you might be receiving messages from people right. in LinkedIn specifically. And so you want to go in there and you want to check it out. But, yeah, if you were to go into LinkedIn once a week and be mindful of an article, you know, you have great resources like Forbes or Inc., some of these business um, journals that are online. You can go through and do a search for keywords. Let's say you're a project manager who uh, really wants to focus on efficiency of delivering software or something. You can go online and find so many different interesting articles and just copy and paste the link right into your LinkedIn um, update type of like a sentence or two at the most about your thoughts, why you think it's why you think it's interesting article and share it. And so that can maybe take you ten or fifteen minutes to do it. But then the people you're connected to will see you posting really good, juicy, helpful information that is in sync with who you are. Hmm. You want to make sure you're always putting stuff out there that is supporting your point of view. And the nice thing I like about that too is you're actually writing on somebody else's coattails. You're taking advantage of their reputation by posting their information that um, coincides with what you talk about. Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, that's how you leverage it, right? Because you're now, you're mm-hmm. perceived to be like them or, you know, in the same grouping as them as well. It's, um, what are mm-hmm. some more mistakes that we make online when it comes to, like you always talk about the personal brand. What, what I mean, there's so many things that we can do wrong just by not paying attention um you know, and, or posting something or having our teenage daughter post something. Um, what are some more things we ought to watch out for when it comes to us trying to have a brand and influence other people online? Well, I think, um, well, my general rule is if you're not willing to write it on your front door, then don't post it anywhere online. <laughs> and so people will get into these, modes where they get really ticked off. Maybe they have a bad experience with a product or a company or something, and they can go off on a post saying how much they hated that company and the terrible service and whatever, and um, and go on and on about it as if they're, you know, talking to their best friend and they're just venting about how bad the experience is. So, yeah, you might want to post something to say, hey, beware of such and such company, you know, I, I got screwed out of money or, you know, whatever it is. Right. But you might want to you want to think about what is it that you really want to put out there? Because once you put it out there, there is no taking it back. You might try to delete it, the post. You might try to bury it by posting a bunch of other things. But once it's out there, it's out there forevermore. Mm. And so... Um, so typically, you want to be careful about about your emotions and whatnot, especially during um, election time. Oh, I oh did so you see that? I know. Things that were, were bad. It was so not helpful for a lot of people. And there are people you know, that I blocked because I didn't want to see their feed. I'm like, yeah, right. I'm tired of You're like, come on, mom. Left and right and left I know. And right. Yeah. 
You're sick of it. Mom, if you do that again, I'm blocking you. Um, do do yeah. these do employers really look? I mean, are they now doing an audit of someone's Facebook and social media before they're hiring? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, the, like, the most recent statistic is 96% of recruiters will look at your profile online. You asked me a couple minutes ago, wow. does it really matter what you put on LinkedIn? Like, can't you just create a file or profile and just leave it up there? If you're not updating it, recruiters are going to notice that. Um, and so if you're going to put a profile out there on LinkedIn, make sure you fill it in so there's lots of really good, significant information about you. Make sure that you're getting recommendations. And then if you go in and you post something once a week, then that's good. You don't have to really do a lot more. That will that will be more than enough. Right. Um, and, and it'll keep you engaged in the community on LinkedIn as well if you go in there once a week. But, yes, companies are absolutely, they're going through and they're, they're checking people's Twitter feeds. They're looking at Facebook. They're looking at Instagram, Pinterest, Vine, any of the things that they can get their hands on. They want to see what are you doing. And I can think of an example where a young man was going in for an interview at a company and the manager was looking at the guy's online, um, his uh, different social networks, and the, the young man had post on Twitter that he was on his way to an interview, although he didn't really want the job. And oh, the man. Gone. And the guy comes in for the interview, and the manager says, you know, so why are you here? Why are you interviewing with us? Which is a very legitimate sure. question to ask to start the interview off. And the young man said, oh, well, you know, I'm looking for a position, and, and this looks, you know, of interest to me. And the manager turns the monitor around on his desk and points to his kid's <sighs> tweet and says, are you sure you really want to work here? Because you just tweeted an hour ago that you're not really interested in the position. Oh, you got me. I know, right? <laughs> that is nuts. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> yeah, and then you're so mad because you got all dressed up and everything. It's so right, yeah, and you drove over there. Oh, what a bummer. It's a, so, so they're watching. That's like it. That, even after the interview, if it doesn't go well, don't tweet something about how bad it was yeah. because that will stick with you forever. That's you right. Know, you, just, you just don't even want to go there. I mean, and it's you can't bring it back. It's um, even if you found the perfect job the next day, it's still out there. So eventually, some employer is going to see that you badmouthed a company and that you worked for or were wanting to work for. I mean, it's just you just can't win. You've, mm-hmm. This gets back to our earlier guest talked about the number one rule is be authentic. You've got to be authentic. And I guess if who you are is a brute that beats everyone up on in social media, then I guess you're just being true to yourself. But if you want a job sure. and you want a job next year and another job next year, then you probably ought to work on your brand. <laughs> Unless that served you well, maybe that's part of your persona, and You're that's the edgy part of one. why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's who you are. Then you would then you would consistently do that. And certain people will be turned off by it. But if that's who you really don't want to be around, then then it doesn't matter. Yeah, but yeah. That's again back to the the authentic part or the personal brand stuff that I talk about. Is what do you really want to be known for, and then be true to that, and um, and be careful and mindful about what you're posting. I have seen people jump on LinkedIn and get involved in the groups. There's different groups that will have different, um, um, if, basically, let's take them back to the project manager example. You can jump into groups, join those those groups, and participate in the conversations that will be groups specifically for project managers. And so then I've seen people in these, in these groups participating in the conversation, making comments 
that are so lame and just <laughs> don't do anything to add to the conversation yeah. at all. So it reminds me of being out at a party with friends and you know, you're talking about some interesting topic and somebody just, you know, chimes in and says, yeah, totally, man. <laughs> and, and they haven't said anything else. And it's like, okay, well, yeah. what? <laughs> settle down. adding to the conversation here? Yeah. yeah. You're like, you yeah, just so look at them like, not, yeah, settle down, man. Relax. Right. Yeah. Right. We're all friends here. <laughs> Anyhow. But That's amazing. Of those opportunities of how can I make meaningful, thoughtful contributions to the conversation and so I always look at it at social media as being a part of a dinner party. Mm. And so if I'm going to be at a dinner party, what is it that I want to talk about? How do I want to add to the conversation? Likewise, if I'm posting something on social media, I'm the, I want to make sure I post something that I can ask questions about or allow people to be engaged with yeah. the conversation. So. You never want to post something and then never come back to it again. Right. Because that's like being at a dinner party and you say, hey, did you guys read that article in Forbes that was talking about the new, whatever, the new something or another, and and then you get up from the table and you walk away from the table. <laughs> Bye-bye. And you don't continue to participate yeah. in that conversation. You would never do that in that's real right. life. So I don't know why people do it on social media. That is a great rule. Like, I mean, act as if it's real life. Act as if it's a real discussion. Mm-hmm. No, see, that's the problem, is, and uh, we probably need to go, but that's we, we think of it as something different than us being us. We think of it as, no, I just made a, I just posted something on Facebook. I just tweeted something. But the reality is, is no, it's you engaging and inviting people to dialogue with you, right? Mm-hmm, right. Man. Jen, you did it again. I think I'm going to get a new job. I don't think it'll happen. I'm, I'm the guy that actually, the problem is I am the guy that actually asks a question and walks away from it at a dinner table. And then I forgot oh, I no. made, you know, you know how that goes. Oh, well, Jennifer, thanks so much. Again, everybody go check out Jennifer's site, movingforwardsolutions.com or follow her on Twitter at career coach Jen. She'll guarantee you a job. Hey, now. I just, about that. I just threw that out there. See how quiet it went? Thanks. She'll guarantee it. She'll at least help you figure out your life. Okay? Appreciate it, Jen. And uh, keep up the great work in helping people find jobs and uh, stay employed. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to take a break. We're coming back. We're going to wrap it up with a little game of truth or fiction. And then uh, maybe a little update from Michael Pond on his Love Fest 2014. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. That's the hoedown music, which means it's time to wrap up this show And uh, what better way to do that than the host incubator of my infection in my sickness in my lungs, but Jessica. Get her done. Get her done. (laughs) It's the hoedown. Thanks for the infection. Anytime. Well, that may now be bronchitis. I did not make it. No, you did. I just passed it. Well, yeah. Mm. And yes, bronchitis. Very good. Bronchitis. Uh, What are we going to do? Are we playing the truth or fiction game? Because I am a master of that. Yeah, you were until... The truth detector. That's what they call me. I created this one. This okay. one's going to stump you. So how does this work? I give you three facts. You tell me which one is not true. Who's playing with me? 
Well, James, are you? I playing? volunteer. Oh, Miguel Pond. And I volunteer his tribute. No, no. Does Last Mike time know everything? I already? made a game. I, oh, Mike stole it. We all talk. Don't look at the paper. Okay, but that looked really good. <laughs> what happened? Mike yeah. pretends that he knows everything when he already knows the answers because I talk about true. it before. I am just really a smart guy. No. He's been doing that for it years. It happened. No, and I was that, so mad. I don't know what. She's not telling the truth. Is that a lie? That's a lie. Lie. Which, which, He's just trying to look good in front of all of his dates. It's true. It's true. Why is it always about Mike and his dates? <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's not. Let's Mike, talk about Mike, else. Mike. Mike, Mike, Mike. Date, date, date. Javelin, javelin, javelin. I like the Mikey. Blah, blah, blah. Finland okay. foo-foo. Okay. What is the... Uh, let's do this. I'm good at this. <laughs> I'll just take far. James on. Uh, we, we call him CJ. I, I can't play? No. You've <laughs> no. been banned. You've already got you, the dating I game. already told you some of them, Mike. I didn't hear them. Okay, James doesn't know. About. James will <laughs> Yeah, play. I've been here this now, entire Mike, time. You just go look on your list of people to date. Because okay. we're going to want an update. Because this is going to take a, exactly You're going to have a chance for a 20-second update. Okay, here we go. Okay. Number one. YouTube's... Copyright checking software scans over 80 years of video every day. Two, toddlers have started to go to therapy because they have, they're having withdrawals when iPads are taken away from them. Three, a couple got murdered because they defriended someone on Facebook. True, false, true. So you think the toddlers going to therapy is untrue? It's not toddlers. They're older that are going to therapy. Okay. I think the first one's false. And the other one are, the other two are true. Why? Because that's the way it is. What was the first one? <laughs> Remind <laughs> you don't even remember all of them, Matt. YouTube's copyright checking software scans over 80 years of video every day. I bet you it's more. I bet you it's like 120 <coughs> years of video every day. Man. Yeah. That's a lot of footage. Okay, so who's right? Were you out there? Were you in the producer's oh, area, Oh, so he's too? right. No. Yeah, he was right. Yes! You know what, though? It's, it's, it's actually 100 years of video every day. I give myself <laughs> the, the day. But it's not fair because he watches about 30 hours of video a day. <laughs> right, so he knows how probable that is. Yeah, I'm the one he's that like, goes through all of that. I can do that. 100. Yeah. Man. So that was all you got? Yeah. That was it. Well, and um, you were gone for two hours of the show. That's, that's it? That's all you got Well. Together. It's not easy to find fake facts on the internet. Ah, just kidding. That's not true. No, all of just it. check Wikipedia. Like... Hey, um, I can tell you some more that I didn't choose because I thought they were too obvious. No, but you know what? No. <laughs> um, Thanks. Uh, were you out infecting other people? That's what I do in my spare time. Yeah. The well, infection spread. I appreciate it because I think about you about fifty times an hour. <laughs> you do not. I do. Matt. No, I really do. You really think that I gave it to you? I know you did when you were standing really close to me. <laughs> that was like a week before Man, I got sick. It I'm, takes in, it's an incubation. I'm stage. so glad I have this huge desk between me and Jessica. You keep oh, more spittle my gosh. from flying over oh, you because yeah, those you, monitors. Did you notice that I didn't get sick, but everyone else did? You well, guys are so. Sexist. I'm still hacking in here, so <laughs> don't count yourself out, James. Well, I am hoping that that. This monitor between you and me will protect me. It won't because there's a little shot. I've got a little angle. Little do you know, I switched our little mics, so now you have the mic that I usually use. Ooh, Um, I'm going to guess that one's false. Oh, yes. Speaking of mics. Once again, James can't get in the game. I'm so good at this. Mike is sporting his uh, San Francisco hat. Great team. Yes. World Series champions 2012. Yeah, where were they last year, Miguel? Let's uh, let's move on. Um, <laughs> so, give us a quick update on Love Fest 2014. I likey the Mikey. 
It is fun. Uh, I, I'm getting. I'm calling some of these girls. I'm getting to know them. Uh, it's exciting. We're going to have a date this weekend, though, huh? Yes, sir. And a follow up on Monday. So uh, you, we will have your first date. Are you just going to go on one date this weekend or two dates? Well, one date from the radio station. Oh, look at you, braggadocio. <laughs> Are you bragging? No, I'm not bragging. I just did. You hear what he just did? He yep. is a subtle bragger. That is the biggest. I'm that's this like, about Mike. Uh, well, I'm just going to go on one from this list. I used to throw the javelin, Matt. I'd be <laughs> careful. Oh, now that was a direct. Yeah, that's not so approach. subtle. A threat. Not so subtle. <laughs> so, um, but you're gonna. So somebody is gonna be getting a call from you soon. Yes. Is when, it gonna be? Will today? you have that done? Tomorrow's Thursday. Can you have a? Can you have a date made by tomorrow? Probably. And yeah. let's get a little audio, and then tomorrow we'll announce the winner of the I likey the Mikey date, and then you'll have a review, and we'll maybe get her on the line. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, Just, we'll see. We'll but see. then but then let's um, Monday have a review of the date and maybe get her on the line and see how it went. I've got a lot of questions to ask her about your this dating. This is not let's typical. I know. it's Well, none of this how is do I How do I prepare for this? Any advice, Matt? Would it, no. I, you know what I would do? Go I'd watch go, The well, Bachelor. Go, hey, I wrote a book. <laughs> go read my book. What's your book? The book's called Starved Stuff. Go Are read you promoting it. yourself? Yes, I am right there. Go read my book. <laughs> go watch my 150 hours of video online before you take this young lady out. I don't know if I have enough time to do that. You, you don't have enough do time to not do it. You're right. You know, you got to stick your neck out there. Just go for it. Follow your dreams. Yeah. In the immortal words of one of your date's mothers, stick your neck out there. Go for it. Sometimes you just got to risk. That's all, that's all you need to remember, folks. Online influence. It's powerful. We had to full circle back to Mike because just a little you know, drop on the Facebook, boom, has probably found him a mate for life. Powerful. We all have that influence, folks. Thanks for joining us. Tomorrow we'll be back. More ideas, more tools to help you find the good life. Take care of yourself. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.